You enjoying the summer? Enjoying the uh, sunny weather and uh, sunbathing on the backfield? Am I on? I'm not on. I will talk for a little while and until I uh, get connected up. And this is a crafty plan not to get me connected up, of course, and uh, I'll, lose, I'll lose my voice a little bit. We're saying hello and goodbye to a number of people this morning. This morning is uh, Andrew Bunt's last Sunday with us until he goes off to sunny Darlington to do an impact year up there. We're also saying hello to uh, Lawrence and Christine Stroud. They're back from the south of France and it's nice that they uh, brought the sunny weather with them, isn't it? Um, But they're also going back again this week. And Dan and Andrea... Are you here somewhere? Andrew is here anyway. And they've been with us a little bit over the summer and they're heading back at the end of the week. Two more. Is this your last Sunday here? Oh well, it's not their last Sunday. What I would like us to do, it's good that I know what's going on. Andrew, Lawrence and Christine, Andrew, could you stand up please? And why don't we, if if you're near them, why don't you gather around them and we're just going to pray for God's blessing on them in the situation, circumstances they're in. Dan and Andrea, in a couple of weeks, will be heading back to the Middle East. Don't be shy. On your feet. Come on, anyone who knows them. A bit of wandering around. And the rest of you, why don't you stand up as well? Because you know when you become too relaxed too soon during the preach, raise out your hands to them and let's just raise our voices and pray for God's blessing that he would be with them in the different circumstances and situations they find themselves in. Lord, I thank you, you're the God of the nations. Lord, I thank you for Lawrence and Christine. I'm a year ago going down to the south of France to see, to help start a church. I pray would you bless them and be with them as they go back. Lord, I pray for Dan and Andrea and the children as they go back to the Middle East in a few weeks' time. Would you bless and strengthen them? I pray you would be their strength and their shield that you'd prosper the work of their hands, that this next 12 months would be a very fruitful time for them, I ask, Lord God. Lord, I pray for Andrew as he gives a year up, a year to uh, go and do an impact team. I pray you would bless him, you would strengthen him. I pray you would grow him as a man of God. I pray, Lord, his knowledge and understanding of your word would be enriched. Lord, and you would uh, bless and grow him as a leader, I pray. Would you be with each of these uh, people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Excellent. If you'd like to be seated, please. I think this is appropriate to say, but I'll share a few of my personal memories from New Day. Is, is it wrong to be thankful for, to God for other people's misfortune, but you're, the fact that you're okay? Is that, is that wrong to, to be like that? Because if it is wrong, then I, I've just got to confess, really, that I sinned um, while I was away. There was one day of particularly heavy rain, and while me and Chloe were sat in the tent with the boys, um, just uh, watching water drip through the top of the tent, 
What did encourage us was walking to the bottom of the site and seeing water coming out of the drains and hearing that Heathfield's Marquee was flooded. If you wanted breakfast in Heathfield's Marquee, you needed to wear your wellies because you had to wade through. And so I must admit, I found a little bit of pleasure in other people's misfortune, although I was struggling personally myself. Now that's not reflective of the whole Hastings site, that was only, only myself. There was another instance as well when um, I was walking back from the loose with Ethan, I think this is appropriate to say, but um, I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong. And, and we walked back from the loose, having him having done what little boys do in the loose, and uh, he, he, he just asked me, a, you know, it's, it's a real thoughtful question, he said, Daddy, can you wipe your own bottom? <laughs> you know, it's obviously a profound question that was, that he was thinking about. Um, he was obviously deeply affected by New Day and God was powerfully at work <laughs> in his life. Um, it was great. I mean, it was amazing to see at New Day um, so many young lives committing themselves to God. I don't know how many it was, but I think it was well over 300 streaming forward on one evening. And then on that same evening they prayed for healing and again there were some amazing testimonies of God's grace, of God healing people um, physically. I think was there, there was deafness in one ear that was completely healed. I think there was an eye as well, um, just opened up, could see clearly. There was some amazing stuff going on. And actually that just leads me to another, um, another uh, thing I, I just sort of saying. We, during that meeting, Adrian Holloway was leading and he was getting people to put their hands where, where, um, where they needed healing. And so uh, everyone was doing that. And at the end of this sort of healing prayer, myself and Chloe turned to see Ethan, who's our third youngest, with his hand just like that. Like that. And uh, he didn't open his eyes, but he, 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 he said, he went, <coughs> and he said, Jesus has healed my sore throat. He said, and he said, can I open my eyes now? <laughs> and, uh, and then he said to Chloe, should I go and tell them at the front? That, that, you know, because they were going forward for testing. Should I? And uh, it was great, even the sort of very young ones who obviously encountering God um, right the way through to some of the, uh, the older folk. It was, it was great to see what God um, was doing. This is the second to last preach. I'm sure there's a technical word for that. But this is the second to last preach um, that we're doing on the book of Colossians. Um, the series is called Live Your Life and it's a su- series on successful living. Who wants to live a successful life? Oh dear, some of you have got low expectations. <laughs> I'm preaching on prayer. And if you want to live a successful life, you've got to learn how to pray. You have. You, it's just, it's not, there's not sort of two sides to this, it's not, it's not dependent on which way you're looking at it. If you want us to live a successful life, you've got to learn how to pray. You've got to learn how to encounter God and get things from him in prayer. Do you know how to pray? Would you think, would you think yeah, I'm an experienced prayer. If I were to ask you, put your hand up if you know God has answered prayers for you. That's good. That's good. Do you know God wants to answer your prayers? He wants you to grow prayer muscles, faith muscles, faith muscles, as Nick was saying. Learning how to pray. So we're going to be looking at that out of the book of Colossians. It's in Colossians chapter four, um, verses two to four. But 
Before I read those verses, I just want to make a few sort of sundry points about prayer before we get stuck into it, just so that even if you don't know much about prayer and this is your first time here, you can learn sort of the introductory stuff before we get into more of the meat of the passage. So here's my first profound point on prayer. When we pray, we talk to God. Did you know that? When you pray, you're talking to God. You're not talking to the ceiling. Not talking to the four walls. You're not talking to the person that's next to you if it's in a public setting. When you pray, you're talking to the creator of the ends of the earth. When you pray, you're talking to the eternal one who has always been there and always will be. When you pray, you're talking to the master planner. Do you know he's got a plan for your life? And when you pray, you're connecting with the one who knows that plan for your life and who can bring it about. Do you know, when you're praying, you're praying to God, do you know he's the God that brought down the walls of Jericho? They were so big, I think it says, they reached up to heaven. They were so wide, no way they could come down. Do you know, prayer, what am I on about? No, that was, God was the one that brought those walls down. When we pray, and I know it's a simple point, and you think, why are you saying it? Because I think, sometimes I forget. That's who I'm praying to. The God who is far away, far above all and above all, who casts the stars into space and yet the God who knows us intimately, that's the one we come to. When we pray we're to address God alone. Do you know when when Jesus was asked by his disciples how should we pray, what was his opening line? You guys are a bit sleepy this morning, we're going to have to change that you know. What was it? Our Father. Abba, Daddy. So we're not just addressing a God who's far away. Do you know what we've been told? Jesus said, when you come and pray, come and say, Father. Not the one who's far away, but the one who's close. And we can call him Father. Why? Because when you became a Christian, you were included into Christ Jesus, the Son. And just as he talks to his Father, so we can talk to our Father. That's our access. That's how we got in. It's not as though you're ringing up present. Can you imagine ringing the White House? Can I, um, can I speak to President Obama, please? Um, I've got problems with my mortgage. Could, sir, sir um, uh, could, I, could you help me out with that? We're coming to one who is far more powerful than the President, but we come not on the basis of him right up there and us right down here, but we come on the basis... He is our Father and the access we have is through Jesus Christ the Son. This is amazing privilege. Now I know many of you know lots about prayer because you've heard lots about prayer from, a, from this platform. But, but I want you to catch something new. This, this is an amazing privilege. This is an amazing opportunity that we have. We come through Christ. Do you know though that it's not meant to be when we pray just a shopping list? Around our our dinner table some evenings it can be a bit chaotic because everyone speaks at the same time. Have any of you ever had that experience? You've got family? Everyone just barges in at the same time, talking over each other. Dad, what about this? Mum, what about that? But, But as, so I've been told, as children grow up and they reach adulthood, they do less of that. They have 
conversations. So I've, I've been told this is the case anyway. So mature adults have, have conversations. Husbands? Mature adults have conversations with their wives? Good. And it's the same with us. We get to, we get to converse with our Father in heaven. He speaks to us through the Bible, through um, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, through circumstance. He speaks to us through these things. We get to speak to him through prayer. A prayer that isn't just a repeating of a shopping list of requests, but it's intimate conversation. Like you talk to a friend. That's how we can pray. It's really odd. This is, I'm going to tell you something now which is sort of odd to get your head around, but the Bible teaches that God is sovereign, that he does whatever he pleases. But the Bible also teaches us that prayer changes things. When you pray, you have the opportunity to change what is going to happen. I think it's in James it says, you have not got because you have not asked God for it. When we pray, we're told to pray expecting that God will answer us. Isn't that amazing? The God, the the creator of the ends of the earth. When we pray, we pray with an expectation that God will answer us. But when you pray, it says in Matthew 6 verse 6, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And the Bible's full of teaching like that. Go and pray and God will bless you. Go and pray, God will answer you. It's not just go and pray. It's, 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 I think it's near enough always linked to the fact God is for us. He's, he's sort of listening. What, Nick? Nick, what are you going to ask me? Simon, what are you going to ask me? Louise, what are you going to ask me? Murray, what are you going to ask me? I'm keen to listen. I'm keen to respond. Not always as we would like, but he'll always respond, even if it is, my grace is sufficient for you. But he will always respond. We're told in the Bible to pray in private and pray publicly. The Bible speaks about the importance of both. It's, uh, it's true that what we are in private will often overflow in the public. So, so if you don't really pray privately, more than likely when you come to pray publicly, your, your prayers may be a little bit watery or lacking some substance. But it's equally true that if you come and meet with the saints as they're praying together, it will rub off and it will affect your prayer life. Who of you have found that to be the case? I have. About 15 years ago, there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this church. It was called the Toronto Blessing. And I know that what happened publicly had a profound effect on my own private prayer life. It was absolutely transformed on the back of what happened publicly. I have expectation that as we uh, gather as a church at the end of September and Julian turns up and he'll be preaching and we'll be welcoming the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what? Your private lives will be affected by what happens publicly. It will be. I believe that because we're not just there for a good time, a bit of a knees up. We're there individually. Our lives changed and transformed. I imagine that some of your prayer lives will be totally transformed on the back of those public meetings. Not, not because Julian is special, although he is a gift from God to us, but that God will turn up and God will impact us. 
Prayer is an amazing privilege, isn't it? Isn't prayer an amazing privilege? Just come and ask. Come and ask. That was sort of by way of introduction. We now get stuck into Colossians chapter 4. You got your Bibles open? Excellent. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. It says here, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. They're the only, I think it's just three verses there. They're the verses we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at them under four particular headings. It's going to be devoted prayer, watchful prayer, thankful prayer, and missional prayer. But before we do that, I just want to, to pray and ask for God's help and blessing. Lord, I, I thank you you're alive from the dead. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence with us. Lord, I ask you, would you please help me this morning to preach effectively, to communicate the things that are on your heart. I pray, Lord, this morning that we would have, um, we would be hearers of the word and that we would uh, put into practice the things that you speak to us about. I pray that from this morning we would have a fresh passion, zeal and hunger to encounter you in prayer. Lord, I pray even the most diligent saint here today who who prays regularly and frequently and has a track record of, of, of encountering you and having prayers answered, I pray for fresh energy and life as they pray. And yet I pray as well for, for, for the youngest maybe who's hardly ever prayed before, Lord, they would catch something in your heart for prayer this morning. Lord, come and do your work. I pray for conviction where it's needed, for encouragement where it's needed, for your energy and life to come. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Excellent. So we're going to look at it under these four headings. The first words, the first word that I just want to pick out, and um, as I was preparing it, it really stood out to me, was... Be devoted to prayer. Devoted's a strong word, isn't it? Tumbleweed. Devoted's a strong word, isn't it? Yes, that's what I want. Can you do that for me? It'll help me uh, keep going. A bit of interaction here would be good. Devoted is a strong word. What are, you, what, are you, what are you devoted to? If I was to ask you, what, what is it that you... If, if someone, were to, someone who knows you really well... So if I, was, if I was to say to Katie, what is Anthony devoted to? Wouldn't it be interesting to know what she said? <laughs> Katie, what is Anthony devoted to other than you? And God. Yeah. 
He's devoted to Spurs. Oh dear. Well, that is a matter for prayer for all of us, I think. The things we're devoted to rise to the top in our lives. They, it just does. What you're devoted to gets highlighted and it casts a shadow on other passions and desires. The things that have your devotion should be clearly seen because you're devoted to it. Sometimes you hear, and it's wonderful when you hear this, you hear maybe about very elderly couples and there's one who's very sick and the other is caring for them and, and often the term uses they are devoted to each other. They are, they, they're exclusive. It means that other things aren't there. I am devoted to you. If you're married, you're devoted to one another. Devotion excludes. Devotion is jealous. Devotion pushes other things to the side. It just does. But Paul says to the church at Colossae, he says, be devoted to prayer. He doesn't just say, pray often. Or pray a little bit. Or pray a bit more than you were before. But he says, be church. And he's talking to the church, so he could be standing here. He says, church, be devoted to prayer. Let that rise to the top in how you live your life. If you want to see what someone's committed to, how would you do it? You probably wouldn't ask them because what the answer you'd get is what they think they should answer. Probably the best way is maybe look at their diary, see how they spend their money. What is it they think about a lot? or commit themselves. It's, it's those sorts of things that would show commitment or devotion. In a similar way, let me ask you a question this morning. Are you devoted to prayer? Are you devoted to prayer? Either privately, or together corporately? Does that take an important part in your life? What you're devoted to will trump everything else. It's interesting to see in the Old Testament, in the book of Kings, um, in, the book, uh, in the first book of the book of Kings, it talks about King Solomon. Have any of you heard about King Solomon? He had a lot going for him. He was very, very rich, to the point where anything but gold was commonplace. He had so much wealth and power that he built cities for his chariots and horses. He had 300 wives... He built the temple to worship God. It was a magnificent building. He also built a palace for himself that was even more magnificent. Um, as far as military conquest goes, Israel had never been so powerful or influential in the region. King Solomon was the man. He was the king. But this is what it says about King Solomon. This is God's perspective on him towards the end of his life. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. His heart wasn't fully devoted to God. He said it towards the end of his life, God said to Solomon, I will rip the kingdom out of your hands because you have not been devoted to me. You will keep one-sixth of it 
and someone else I'm going to give five, six. Why? Because he hadn't been fully devoted to God. When the Queen of Sheba turned up to see what was going on in Israel, she was impressed by the temple, she was impressed by the magnitude of the burnt offerings that were going on in the temple, but his heart still was not fully devoted to God. Solomon had other priorities, passions and devotions that were trumping God, that were above God. Devotion is jealous. Devote yourselves to prayer. It's it's one of those words where there's no room for compromise, isn't it? You're sort of either devoted or you're not. This church is built on a devotion to prayer. I believe we sit where we sit now because for 40 years people have been devoted to prayer. Prayer has taken a high platform in church life. I know many of you have given hours and hours and hours and hours to praying publicly and praying privately. Arthur Wallace says this, a movement of God, and that is what we're in, a movement of God will last as long as the spirit of prayer that inspired it. We're in a movement of God. 30, 40 years ago, God started kindling something. And it will last as long as the spirit of prayer that inspired it. Within this room here today, there are many saints, now I'm going to be a bit ageist now, there are many saints here who are probably around 50 or over, and we have built this church on the back of your prayers. You have prayed and prayed and prayed. The challenge for those of us under 50 is to match their zeal for God and their zeal for prayer in the future. That's the challenge we face. Things will only go well with us as long as the spirit of prayer that started it. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful. Funny word, isn't it? He says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That word watchful only appears in the New Testament a few times. It appears um, once in, in Matthew 14, verses 37 and 38, and that is where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says to his disciples, he says, watch and pray with me. And actually they failed to do it. They they couldn't give themselves to an hour's prayer. They were, I think it says they were overcome with sorrow and they were tired and they just fell asleep. But he says, watch, watch, watch and pray. And another time that it's mentioned, and if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to it, is 1 Peter chapter 5. In the original, this is the the same word. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 8. So Paul tells the church at Colossae, he says, be watchful in prayer. This is what it says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to 
devour. That alert, that word alert, is the same word as watch in the passage in Colossians that we're looking at. It says, be watchful, be alert. Now, you can watch things in a number of ways, can't you? Sometimes I watch things, I'm sort of, uh, maybe like this afternoon, I'll, I'll sit down this afternoon and I'll turn the TV on and I'll sit back on the sofa and I'll sort of be watching it and I'll be sort of... Um, four boys? I dream of sleeping in the afternoon. I'm looking forward to sleeping in the afternoon. Don't tell Chloe, I'll get in trouble. But, but, but you can, can't you? You can, you, can, um, you can watch something. Sort of, I'm sort of watching it. But if I told you that tonight someone's going to break into your house and steal everything, you would keep watching a completely different way, wouldn't you? There would be an alertness to you. There would be an energy. I'm not going to drift off to sleep in case someone comes in and burgles my house. I'm very aware, I'm very sharp, I'm watching. And that's the sense that Paul gives in the book of Colossians when he says, be devoted to prayer, being watchful. Be alert. Be aware of what is going on. I looked at the stage and I thought, no, there's no way I'll be able to get up there in one leap. Be watchful. Be watchful. Be watchful about your own life. Watch yourself. Are you living your life in a way that's a bit foolish at the moment? You know, you know just the way you're going that if you were to sort of plot the course to the end, you're going the wrong way. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Or maybe, maybe you need to, and I think it's the case, you need to be watching others. Not in a critical way, but to help them. We have a responsibility to guard one another. Maybe other people in your small group, you should be prayerfully watching them, praying for them, for God's blessing, for God's protection. In in the Lord's Prayer, you know, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, one of the two of the lines it says is, it says, um, Keep us from temptation <laughs> and deliver us from evil. Yeah? So, so what? It's, it's like, it's like, be alert, be watchful. Lord, today would you keep me from temptation? Lord, I know I'm going into this situation and I may find it difficult, but I have to go. Therefore, Lord, please keep me from temptation. Lord, deliver me from evil, from the enemy's schemes. It's not that we want to raise his profile too much, but we don't ignore his plans either. We're aware, so we watch our own lives. We watch one another and we have a responsibility to do that. We need to watch to see what is going on in our town and our nation and pray for God's blessing. We need to be watchfully praying. And I, if, if I'm honest, when I was preparing this, I thought, I'm not very watchful in my prayer life. Let me encourage you, add that in. Be alert, be watchful in your prayer life. He then says, be watchful and... I will have to give that another go. And thankful. Now I reckon this is the most important word in the passage. They're two very simple words, aren't they? Watchful and thankful. But I think this word thankful is very, very important. When you read the Bible, there's an awful lot of thanksgiving. Particularly in Paul's letters to the churches, we see a lot of thanksgiving. In Philippians chapter 1... 
verse 3, he starts off, or at the very beginning of the letter he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Again, the book of Philippians is written to the church at Philippi, so it could be addressed to a group just like this. I thank my God every time I remember you. Every time I remember you, every time you come across my mind, I thank God for you. In all my prayers for all of you. For you, and for you, and for you, and for you. I I thank God for all of you. Even the ones of you that are a real pain to me, I still thank God for you. Can you see, and if you read the book of Philippians, you'll be amazed how much thanksgiving there is in that book. And what makes it even more remarkable is the fact that Paul's personal circumstances are at rock bottom. He's in prison in Rome, he's in chains, he's facing death, and he says, I always give thanks to God for you. It's interesting to note as well that even the church wasn't perfect. So the church at Philippi, if you read uh, chapter 4 verse 2, we won't read it, but if you read chapter 4 verse 2, there were two formidable ladies in the church who were arguing. And Paul addresses them personally. Can you imagine that? A letter from an apostle, you're picked out by name to say, stop arguing. Make it up. Encourage them to stop arguing. So it wasn't all perfect, it wasn't, it wasn't a perfect church, but Paul said, I always thank God for all of you, for the grace of God that is displayed in your life. In Colossians 3 verse 17, it says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Giving thanks to God the Father. Are you, I know you are, but I want to ask you individually, Are you a thankful church? Yes. Are you thankful individuals? Some of you said yes. Some of you, I think, are mulling it over. If if someone were to ask you a question, when you walk out here, someone you know really well grabs you and says, how did it go this morning? Let me ask you a question. Will you give thanks... Or will you find fault? Samuel, and I know that's true. That's a challenge. What what comes out of you first? Thanksgiving to God for his grace and mercy. Even if there were a few mistakes, I'm still giving thanks. In the workplace, are you a thankful person? And it's not that we don't notice faults, it's not that we don't try and change mistakes. But what comes out first? With Paul, it was a thankfulness to God. That's what shaped him. That's what overflowed. I would have thought that it was, uh, it was um, I was going to say quite endearing, and I'm sure that was the case. I would have thought it's quite um, contagious, his thankfulness. Even in spite of severe difficulties, he gave thanks to God. It's quite amazing. As I was, I was praying about this last night, just uh, often on the night before, I just pray and let it sort of mull, mull it over a little bit. And uh, I, I, I just felt it was highlighted to me that, that this phrase that thanksgiving and bitterness cannot coexist. If you're thanking God for something, 
It's very difficult to be bitter about it. And I, I want to encourage you, you excel in thanksgiving, I want you to get even better at it. Look, at, look for the grace of God in every circumstance. Let it overflow. It's contagious. It will bless those around you. It will do you good. It will, actually, it will do your heart good. As you're giving thanks, you're speaking to your heart. It will change you. And it will change those around you as well. Neil Anderson says this, We should come before his presence with thanksgiving because he is a great God and he has done great things for us. We all deserved eternal damnation, but God has given us eternal life. I think Ali said something similar to that this morning. That's why we give thanks. Even if your personal circumstances are really bad, we still give thanks because God has showered his undeserved grace and favour upon our lives. Amen? Let's get good at giving thanks. And lastly, when Paul actually got around to sort of a couple of prayer requests, what, was it asked, what did he ask for? It was missional prayers. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. And pray that I may proclaim it as clearly as I should. I find Paul's heart and passion quite amazing. If you were sat in a prison, if you were chained up between Roman soldiers, if you didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring for you, whether life or death, if you had the concern for all those churches but you could not visit them because you were in prison, what things would you put at the top of your prayer list? Freedom? Good health? That if I do die it won't hurt too much? That I get out of prison? Paul doesn't pray for any of that. Paul prays that the gospel will be fruitful and that he will glorify God in whatever circumstance he found himself in. I mean, Paul's faith is amazing. It allows him not only to endure hardship and wrongful imprisonment, but to see the plan of God in it and to fully engage with God in his purposes. It would have been easy for Paul to miss God's plan because he was fighting the circumstances which God had put him in. You see, the fact that Paul was in prison in Rome was because God had ordered that's how it was going to go. There's, there's passages in Acts that say, when you go to Jerusalem, Paul, you will be put in prison, you will be put in chains. But I want you to go there anyway. Now I know that the things that I'm talking about here are, are big things. But for some of you here today, you're fighting circumstances whereas you should, in a sense, be trusting God and looking to see what God has got for you in the circumstances you find yourself in. That's a difficult balance to know, isn't it? Which is right at times. And you need wisdom for that. But in the midst of great difficulties, Paul's passion, 
his zeal was, oh God, that your gospel would go out and that I would in no way be ashamed, that I would clear, that I would clearly proclaim this message. The reason that I'm in chains is because of this message and that I've been proclaiming it, well, I'm going to do it anyway and I pray that God will be glorified through it and the message will prosper and the gospel will be successful. He prays for an open door for the message and for boldness to take the opportunities which God provides. As a church, we need to be praying that way as well. In the autumn term, we're going to be launching um, three mission-shaped community groups. At the moment, we're praying and talking to about five possibilities And the idea of these groups, and I know many of you are very familiar with this, the idea of these groups is to reach people that don't yet know about Jesus. And we can plan and we can strategise and we can get it all worked out really, really well. But if God doesn't give us open doors into communities and give us the boldness to clearly proclaim the message, all of our organising is for nothing. And so we're coming into a season where we feel God is saying to us, come on, open the doors, get out there a bit more, have a greater effect on the communities out there. So that's what we're doing in response to him. But we now need to pray, oh God, please would you open doors into communities. Would you please give give us openings to step into and give us opportunities that we have not yet had, that we may proclaim the mystery of Jesus Christ, that is him crucified, which is hope for a dying world. And so over these coming weeks, not only are we going to be looking to launch these community groups, we're going to be praying that God will bless them as well. Because if God doesn't turn up with power, not a lot's going to happen, is it? So it's so important we engage in prayer, that we pray like Paul. Paul, I pray that an open door for our, for an open door for our message. Lord, give us an open door into the communities that we feel you're placing on our hearts, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. We pray as well that we may proclaim it as clearly as we should, both in word and in deed. We want Christ glorified. We need to pray that way, don't we, church? Amen? Yeah. Second week of September, we've got a week of prayer. One of the things we'll be praying for is for an open door for the gospel. An open door for that gospel message. I've been reading a book about the Welsh revival of the 1860s and uh, it's it's absolutely brilliant. It it stirs your faith. It, 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 It gives you a perspective of God moving in a way that we've not yet seen. It's quite amazing. But this is, this is quite interesting. They said, often when God turned up in a community or in a village, because it was mainly in villages, um, the first people to respond to the gospel were those that were furthest away from God. In a sense, the greatest sinners were often the first to respond. And this is what it said. I, I'll try and, get the, uh, try, try and get the words out in the right, in the right way. It says this. When these uh, great sinners were present, in the means of grace, especially in prayer meetings, 
a sense of awful condemnation and an agonising dread of God's wrath seemed to overwhelm them so they were forced to cry aloud for mercy. And what was the meeting they were in when that often happened? Prayer meetings. It wasn't when the Gospel was preached or anything like that. It's just when the saints gathered to pray and others came and joined them. And there was such a sense of God's presence and power available that there was a conviction of sin and a thorough and complete repentance. He says sometimes uh, men and women were under, under conviction of sin for three or four days or longer before they responded to the Gospel. It was it's just God was on their case. The history of the church says that when the church gathers to pray, things happen. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And I want to encourage you church, as we're going into this new season, let's do it by underpinning prayer, both privately and publicly. Ali said, we've got a prayer meeting, you for leading it tonight. Turn out in good numbers tonight. It's going to rain anyway. So you might as well come and pray. Devote yourselves to prayer. Support them as they share, I guess, some stories about New Day and other things that God has been doing as well, praying for uh, different circumstances and situations. Come, devote yourself to prayer. Push some other things in your diary aside and push prayer up your agenda got a week of prayer, second week of September. That is another opportunity to work out this message that I've been preaching this morning. Devote yourselves to prayer. In your own quiet time, in your own lives, devote yourselves to prayer. If you're the head of the household here today, devote yourselves to prayer and lead your family in it as well. Now, depending on your history, depends on how you need to apply that and where you start. But, but that whole thing, devote yourself to prayer, has many layers to it that need to be worked out. Let's stand and pray. In a moment I'm going to get a, uh, ask a friend of mine to come. He feels that God has spoken to him with what we would call words of knowledge. They're um, words that God has given him about some of you because God wants to meet with you and uh, impact your life, probably in healing, I imagine. But before that happens, let's just, let's just pray. Why don't we raise our hands? And all I want to pray, I'm going to pray for is I'm going to pray for fresh fire, fresh passion in the whole area of prayer. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of praying to our Father, our Dad in heaven. Lord, I thank you. Before everything else, it's an immense privilege. What child doesn't want to talk to his dad? And so we say, Lord God, you're our dad in heaven, Lord. We delight to pray to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and kindle in us a fresh fire to pray. Lord, where we're weak or or distracted, I pray, I pray for a fresh fire to pray. I ask you Lord for some of the prayer warriors we've got in this church, I pray for fresh fire to pray. 
Lord, stir, kindle our hearts. Lord, I pray if we have let prayer drop right the way down our agenda. Why don't you just uh, I'll give you that opportunity. If you've let prayer drop right down your, the agenda of your life, why don't you just confess it and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for that. And just if forgive us for that and then ask him for fresh grace for prayer. Not, not that it would be a work or driven, but we pray by the grace of God and by the discipline that he's given us. says in Romans that if you don't know what to pray, you can ask the Holy Spirit to come and help you. Why don't you do that? Maybe particularly if you're newer in the faith and you say, I really don't know how to pray. Why don't you ask for God to help you? Lord, I thank you for the privilege of prayer. I pray for fresh fire and energy from you. I pray, Lord, in no sense it would be driven or striving, but in your grace. Lord, I ask you that many of us would have testimonies over the coming months where we've prayed things on the back of this morning and we know you've answered those prayers. We know you have. Oh, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Lord, you've got first place in our lives. Give us grace. Help us to pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Amen. Amen. Simon, could you just come and uh, share those words of knowledge you've got? Just stay open to God, stay uh, in his presence. I just, uh, while you're standing, I'll, I'll stand up here and you can see me. Um... I just want to read this little piece out of uh, the book of James. It ties in so much with what Paul, uh, Paul's preached about this morning and uh, I felt uh, God just put it on my heart this morning as well. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the leaders of the church to pray over him and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well the Lord will raise him up and um, I, I, was, I was praying uh, this morning I felt God uh, speak to me about uh, some, some people here who um, have got some, some things that uh, I would love to pray for I believe in faith that uh, God will heal you I felt that there was, uh, there was someone here who, I think it was yesterday possibly, you've kind of turned over on your ankle and you've kind of twisted your ankle and it's painful. And you went to bed last night and you've woken up this morning and it's still painful. And um, I believe that, uh, that God can take that pain away and your ankle can be absolutely fine again. So if that is you, in a moment I'll, I'd love to pray for you. I felt there was someone else as well who um, you've you've got a problem with your uh, hearing. One of your ears is kind of blocked. And and I 
I felt God say to me, it's linked to perhaps you've, you've recently flown, perhaps you've been on holiday or something like that, and you've just kind of recently flown back. And uh, sometimes, you know, your ears do go a bit funny, don't you, when you fly in the aeroplane with the pressure. But this hasn't cleared up. It hasn't cleared up. It's still there, perhaps a week or so after you've got back here. And um, so I don't, I, I don't think this is like a, an, an ongoing problem with, with deafness. It's just your ears blocked up. And uh, I, I really believe that, uh, that God wants to open your ear back up properly this morning as well. And the, the third thing I felt was that uh, there's someone here who quite soon you've got a date coming up where you have an interview of some description and you're really nervous about it and you're kind of nervous that you're nervous, <laughs> if that makes sense. You're worried that your nerves will get the better of you and you won't be able to do yourself justice in the interview. And I just felt that uh, God wants to really, through prayer, really give you an incredible peace about that interview as well this morning. So there was the three things that I felt God uh, speak to me about and I'd love for perhaps Paul as well and myself. We, we can pray for people. If you want to respond to those things, we can hang around at the front here just by the steps over on my right and uh, if you feel any of those three things are applicable to you then please do come to uh, this side of the, the stage and uh, we'll pray for you excellent Seth that's you um, come at the end of the meeting just, just one thing as we close if, if you do struggle to pray and you're not certain that you've ever learnt to pray in that sense no one's ever taught you let me encourage you, come, come to some prayer meetings and watch others pray, but then grab hold of someone that you see regularly coming to the prayer meeting and just ask them, can you teach me to pray? Let them give you some hints, some tips. Maybe they want to meet with you and pray together to uh, help you grow in prayer. So we're closing the meeting there. Have a great afternoon. It actually does look like the sun may be coming out, so you can have a nice afternoon and we'll see you at the prayer meeting tonight.